0: Well, a vintage Christmas, the old made new. I love the theme of this series. At our church, we lay the schedule out an entire year in advance. We have all of 2023 planned, including our Christmas series theme and kind of, but I think I I know what it's going to be. It's going to be a vintage Christmas, the old made new. I like this so much better than what we had planned for our next year, so we're we're just going to... Borrow the entire thing. Is that all right, Pastor? Okay, good, good. And uh, I'm thankful for a chance to be part of this series and to uh, think with you together about how the old is made new. And we're thinking today about the prophecy uh, to Joseph and particularly a whole new way of thinking. Sometimes when we read this book, when we read the Bible, especially if you grew up in church, going to Sunday school, maybe went to a Christian school or homeschooled and you read the Bible a lot, sometimes we can read the Bible and miss what's going on because it's become so familiar We don't see the wonder of it. And in Joseph's story, I think this happens. I think sometimes we've heard the story so often, we don't understand how completely mind-blowing and mind-boggling it is. And so to understand this story and this this prophecy uh, that we're going to find in Matthew chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew, the very first chapter, chapter 1, after the genealogy, we're going to jump right into the first narrative of the New Testament. And uh, and, and we're going to think together about, about Joseph and this prophecy that the angel gave him in a dream. Uh, But I want you to just to try to think for a minute like Joseph. Don't don't think like a Bible character. Think like a real human being. Because by the way, the people in the Bible were real people with real families, in real homes, with real jobs. They were normal people and they would have experienced things much the way that we do. And so Joseph and Mary are betrothed. They're engaged. Now in our culture, engagement is more of a casual thing compared to the first century. And uh, where I pastor in California, if, some, if, if somebody says, you know, if, if a woman says, I, I got engaged, her friends will usually, the first thing they'll say is, well, let me see the ring. Look at the ring. And then, and then they might ask the question, when are you getting married? But more and more in California, the answer is, we don't know. Eventually, someday, years from now. So it it doesn't have quite the same meaning, but in the ancient world, you have to understand when Joseph and Mary were betrothed, when they were engaged, it's totally different. There was actually three sets of gifts that were exchanged in the ancient world, in the Jewish culture at that time, when the engagement, when the betrothal happened. And so here's the three gifts. The family of the groom would give the family of the bride a gift, a monetary gift, it was a way of saying thank you for, for raising her. Thank you for all that you poured into her life. And so the family of the groom gave a really nice gift to the family of the bride. And then the father of the bride would give a gift to the soon-to-be husband and wife. It might be land. It might be a, a, a house. It might be money. But they, they were kind of, kind of setting them up for success in their future. So another, so this isn't like some secret engagement. Families are totally involved in the whole thing. And then the groom would give a gift the bride-to-be. Kind of like now we have men give women an engagement ring, right? That was the culture of the time. So all that had happened, all right? Joseph and Mary are betrothed. The whole family's involved. Gifts have been exchanged. Uh, These things, it was kind of, there was not a lot of turning back from that moment. Now, very soon they would be actually married, but in some ways the betrothal was like the step right before the marriage, all right? With that in mind, It's not going to be on the screen, online or on on campus here. But I want you just to listen to this passage from Matthew 1, 18 and 19. If you have your Bible open in front of you, keep your Bible open to Matthew chapter 1. But listen to these words and just picture what's going on here. And again, don't look at Joseph as this really special Bible guy. Look at him as just a guy who's engaged, all right? And try to think about how he would respond to what goes on. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the, the Anointed One, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, was pledged, was betrothed, all that had happened, to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, before they were officially married and before they were intimate, all right? But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. Pause. Just pause right there. They're engaged, they're betrothed, they've not been together physically, and Mary's pregnant. Normal guy in a normal world. Any issues here? Thank you. I heard gentlemen laughing there. It's like, yeah, problem here, right? We're engaged. I've not been with her. So so it says she's found to be pregnant, but then it says this, through the Holy Spirit. Oh, then fine. Right? Because that happens all the time. Wait, no, no, no. At this moment in history, how many times had a virgin woman been with child. And this time, how many times? What's the answer? Zero. Zero before this. Never. After this moment. How many times? Zero. It doesn't happen. It's not a thing. Now, scientifically, in our world today, there's some different stuff. But I'm talking about in the regular, you know. In, so, so, all of a sudden, everything's going to change for Joseph. So, it's, it says, she became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, or by the way, himself to public disgrace, or her family to public disgrace, or his family to public disgrace. I mean, he didn't want any of that, right? What happens? He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly, to break off the engagement. And that kind of made sense where he's coming from. He doesn't know what's happening in the spiritual world behind all of this at this point. Now he's gonna have a dream and see an angel and that's all gonna get cleared up and then it'll be super easy, right? No, it's still a challenge, right? So, but here's what's gonna happen. And if you're looking at your Bibles for now, look at me for minute, Here's what's gonna happen to Joseph in this passage. Everybody look at me. It's gonna go like this. He's gonna have his mind blown. It's gonna be just like this. The way he sees the world, the way he sees marriage, the way he sees the order in which you get engaged, married, and have kids, that's all gonna change the Messiah, who the Messiah is, that's all gonna, his whole mind is gonna be blown. And here's what I want you to understand today. When the old becomes new, when, when our old way of thinking encounters Emmanuel, God with us, our old way of thinking becomes new ways of thinking. And that means our old life becomes a new life. Because we don't change our behavior until our thinking changes. So I want you to notice as we go through this passage, or we're gonna walk through the passage, what's happening in the mind of Joseph here? Because when, when the Messiah comes, when the old becomes new, our whole thinking changes. Here's a question for you Have you ever had your old way of thinking questioned and transformed? Have you ever had something that you saw the world a certain way, you really held on to it, you were convicted about it, and all of a sudden, poof, your whole way of thinking got changed. And then when that thinking changed, your lifestyle changed. I had that happen when I was betrothed to Sherry, Sherry Lynn Vleem, before she became Sherry Lynn Hardy. We were engaged we were in love with each other. I was, I was in seminary planning and becoming a pastor and my wife to be began to vet me. She began to ask me all these questions before. It's like before we're officially married, she wanted to make sure she knew what she was getting. And here's one of her questions she asked me. She said, Kevin, how do you handle giving and generosity to the work of the church? She said, do you give your first 10% of all that you earn to God's work? See, she was raised in a Christian home. I wasn't. She was raised by godly parents who were generous to the work of Jesus. I wasn't. So she said to me, do you give your first 10% to the work of, of the church? And I gave my answer. Very much like you see in these, like, these political uh, interrogations going on in, in, you know, in Congress and stuff, where the questions asked. She asked the question. So she said, do you give your first 10% to the work of Jesus? Here's how I answered. Oh, Sherry, I give all my heart, all my life, and all I have is available to Jesus. See what I'm doing there? You following me? I didn't answer. (laughs) So she says, so so my wife's a very smart woman, and she's a very persistent woman. And she says, no, but I'm asking, do you give your first 10% to the work of Jesus? I said, I give him everything. I give it all. I ducked it again, right? Too smart for that. She says, no, Kevin, I'm asking you, do you give generously to the work of Jesus? Now, here's the answer. The answer was no. I was in seminary trained to be a pastor, and I gave nothing. I said, well, God has my whole heart, but I wasn't giving. Now, here's where my mind gets blown, okay? My wife-to-be looks at me, and she says, I can't marry a man who's going to live in disobedience to God. So we spent three months studying the scriptures together about generosity and giving. And I saw God's truth. And when my thinking changed, my behavior changed. And we've lived a life of growing, intense generosity because we understand that not only is the first first fruits, not only the first 10% gods, it's really all gods. And if you walk through your life holding something really wonderful with your hands open and everyone knows they can help themselves, guess what? People help themselves and so does God. But my mind was changed, so my behavior changed. That's what we're gonna see is happening here with Joseph. So go back again to Matthew 1, verse 18. Again, won't be on the screen yet, just listen to these words. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one came about. His mother Mary was pledged, betrothed, very seriously, to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, before they had their final wedding vows, before they were physically intimate, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He had a way of thinking. It was an ancient way of thinking. It was the way people thought in those days. The woman I'm about to marry showed up pregnant. I'm going to break off the engagement. That's how he's thinking. His thinking hadn't changed yet. We're going to see see the old become new. His thinking be transformed and his life become transformed. And we're going to let God speak to us about areas that our thinking needs to be transformed by the word of God and by his truth. Because when our thinking is transformed, our lives are transformed. And until our thinking is transformed, our lives are going to stay the same. And so, again, I'll ask you, you know, what, what's it like in life when you have those moments where all of a sudden you see the world differently? Uh, one of the things I get to do now uh, in this season of life is I'm a grandpa, so I get to look at the world through the eyes of our five grandkids. And our, our, we have one of, three of our grandkids who are members of this congregation. So the oldest of our three grandkids who live here in Caledonia uh, is named Cohen. And about six, seven months ago, Cohen was three years old, little guy. He told me about some of his thinking. He really likes Tommy's Express car wash. He likes the vacuum cleaners, he likes to help vacuum the car and stuff. But he does not wanna go through the car wash. He'd never gone through the car wash. And he said to me, Pa, I don't wanna go through that car wash. So I'm grandpa, so what's the, first, what's the thing I wanna do more than anything before I leave that time in Michigan? What do I wanna do, men? Get him through the car wash, right? We're gonna get over this thing, we're gonna face this fear, right? We're gonna, He's only three, but I'm thinking, oh, we're gonna. So, so I said, Cohen, Cohen, let's, let's go to Tommy's car wash. And we'll wash the car together and we'll, we'll vacuum the car together, it'll be a lot of fun. And he says, okay, Pa, I, lo- I love to do the vacuuming, but Pa, I don't want to go through the car wash. I said, well, we'll see. And so we drive over. And we drive up to pay, and he re- when we're going up to pay, he realizes something's going on, and he goes, Pa, Pa, we're not gonna go through, all right? we're not gonna drive through the car wash, and I said, I said, well, let's talk to the guy, let's see. So I just go to the guy, and I said, hey, hey, listen, uh, so I'm gonna go through the car wash here with my grandson here. I said, it's not scary in there. And he goes, well, yeah, it can be kind of scary. And I'm like. Mm. And then he real- he realizes, he's like, oh, wait. And I said, I said, I said like." dude, you know, I said, he, I, I said, but like the water doesn't come in the car, doesn't he? And they, he, he goes, no, 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 you don't get wet at all. And I said, and those brushes that are going around, they don't brush on top of your hair and stuff. He says, no, no, no. It's, he says, it's really, it's really fun. He's kind of looking at Cohen. Now he's playing along, right? So I, am thinking not, not Cohen's in, right? No. So I keep driving and he says, pa, 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 we're not going through our way. I said, well, Cohen, listen, listen, I'll hold your hand all the way through. I'll hold your hand. It's gonna be, it's, you'll be safe. It'll be, it'll be fun. He says, pa, I don't want to go. I don't want to go in the car wash. And then I asked, he, so we had did our Christmas yesterday, and I said to him, Cohen, remember when we went to the car, wash the first time and he remembered? I said, remember how I held your hand, and, and remember how you went through it and everything? And he goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, and four hot tamales. I said, what? And he goes, four hot tamales. Remember you gave me those little the spicy candies? He says, remember you gave me four hot tamales? Bribes. Remember that, grandparents. Um, but I said, I said, oh, you're right. I said, I, and I told you I'd give you four hot tamales if you went through. And so we go on there, you pull onto the, 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 kind of the tracks there, and you... Put it in neutral, and you're just sitting there. And so he's sitting right next to me. He's holding my hand, and he's looking at the wash, and I said, look, isn't this cool how it's washing the car? And about halfway through the car wash, he kind of lets go of my hand, and it's kind of cool, and he's looking around, and then he kind of gets up and stands on the passenger seat, and he's looking and seeing how it all works and stuff. And then you go through, the rinses it off, and then the air blower's dry, and we roll out. And as we're rolling out, what does my grandson say to me? Can we do it again? Right? His thinking changed, so his behavior began to change. And so I drove around, and I said, hey. I said, could we go through again? And the guy said, sure, and I'm like, for free? And he said, he said sure, and he sent, us through, he sent us through again, right? And that time, Cohen didn't need any hot tamales. Didn't need to hold my hand. He was a changed man, or three-year-old, right? When you understand God's word, When you understand how he's speaking to your heart, when your thinking expands and changes, your life changes, that's exactly what happened to Joseph, and I believe it's what God wants to have happen to you and happen to me. So listen to this passage one more time. Now this is in the the, the first book of the New Testament, the first of the four Gospels, Matthew, and it's the first narrative, before this is all the genealogies, right? And then it starts, it's the first narrative of Matthew's Gospel. It'll be on the screens this time, follow along. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, The Anointed One, the Savior, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. That's Joseph, Joseph, her betrothed, soon-to-be husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to break off the engagement, to divorce her quietly. Now, what I want you to see is that Joseph had a certain worldview. Joseph had a way he saw things. And all the different things, all the ways that Joseph saw the world are about to change. And if his old thinking becomes new thinking, his old life can become a new life. All right? So follow along. Joseph had an idea of who the Messiah would be. Joseph was a Jewish person in the first century. So he would have been taught and known. Everyone had, every person had the same view of the Messiah. The Messiah would come, and the Messiah would be a political powerhouse, A military conqueror and would crush the Roman occupation and drive the Romans out. That's what every Jew in the first century was waiting for. That was their their messianic vision. Was that, that the Messiah would come and drive off the Roman government. And now he has to stop and think, wait a minute. If Mary is carrying the Messiah, then I'm going to be changing the diapers of the Messiah. Doesn't sound like a military conqueror to me, does it, right? I mean, how do you change, how can he look and go, wait a minute, the, the, the conquering military political powerhouse is in the womb of my wife-to-be? Is that a change in thinking, anybody? Radical, right? Mind-blowing. But he, he has to begin to see things in a new way. Joseph had an idea of how engagement, engagement, marriage, and family worked. Joseph had, he had a sense of how the order of things worked. He understood, here's how it worked. You get, your families kind of get together and, and there's, there's kind of this matchmaking thing that goes on. You get betrothed. Gifts are exchanged. There's a season that you're abstinent. You're not physically intimate. You get married and then you start a family. That's how everyone looked at it in the ancient world. And now God is saying to him, okay, but Joseph, little switch for you. Little switcheroony here. Okay, you're going to get Betrothed, you're going to get engaged, and then your wife's going to become pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Never happened in history before. That will never happen again in history. Is that a change in thinking? Massive. Can you even do it. Well, we're going to see that in the passage. And this is what I want to say again. Those of you that have grown up with the Bible, so so familiar, it becomes kind of vanilla and bland, and you don't really get it. dig in. Then slow down when you read the Bible. Dig in. Say if these are real people. How do real people see the world? If Joseph was a real guy and he was, you can see why he'd say I'm breaking off this engagement. Right? You can understand. So, he had a way that he saw marriage, he had a way that he saw family, ch- you know, child-rearing and how all that would work. But this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. It's totally different. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph her husband was faithful to the law, And yet did not want to expose her or himself or anybody else to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Lord Jesus, we pause right now as we dig into your word. And we pray that you'll speak to each one of us. God, there are times where our mindset, our outlook is so secular, is so worldly, is so cultural, and we don't even understand it. We don't even know why. We breathe the air of this world. We live in this world, and all of a sudden, we see things a certain way. And then, God, you come along with your word and by your spirit, and you speak truth to us. And like Joseph, we get to decide, will we follow what you declare to be true, or will we follow the ways of the world or the ways of our hearts? I pray that today, even as Joseph saw his old thinking become new and his old life get transformed... I pray in a very similar way, you'll speak to each of our hearts and give us a new vision. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is Joseph learning? What kind of changes is God trying to bring about in his, in, his, in his mind and thinking and then in his heart and his life? And I want to get to that before we look at the rest of the passage, because you're going to see how he was radically transformed by the truth of God. He's learning this. Don't let fear make your decisions, but trust God. Don't let fear make your decisions. Why was he going to break the engagement? Fear. She'll be disgraced. I'll be disgraced. Our families will be disgraced. But God said, don't go that route. So so when when God speaks to you, oftentimes he's calling us to not let fear be the thing that makes our decisions. He's learning this. Don't limit yourself to human biological processes, but embrace the miraculous. I'm not anti-science in any way. I'm for science, but I'm more for God. And so when science says this is the only way the world can work, and a virgin becomes pregnant in the first century, I believe that God's hand is at work. When a dead man who's been in the tomb for three days rises from the dead, Jesus, I believe in his resurrection. Someone say amen. When the Bible says God parted the Red Sea, I believe God can do that. Because so, so, so there's the scientific world, there's the materialistic world, but there's also... The divine world. And God oversees and overrules all of those things. Don't limit yourself to human biological processes. And then, what's he learning? Don't let your religious traditions rule over biblical truth. Hold the scripture. Do you know that it's possible for us to get so caught up in church tradition and religious tradition that we hold a tradition so tight our thinking is traditional thinking and not biblical thinking? Some of our traditions, and in the ancient world, some of their traditions weren't aligned with scripture. And now Joseph has to have his thinking aligned by God's truth, not by church and religious tradition. In the ancient world, they believed that salvation came through obedience to the law and through sacrifices. We get saved by following the Old Testament law. This is what the Jewish people believed in the first century. We follow the law and we give our sacrifices and then we're made right. But they're gonna find out that this child born to Mary will become the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by grace and grace alone. Someone say amen. We're not saved by our good works. We're saved for good works, but not by good works. We are saved by grace and grace alone. And Joseph is going to understand this in a new way. So now follow along with me in Matthew one let Let's continue to kind of walk through this passage. Matthew one twenty-two. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This, this is the prophet Isaiah. Seven centuries earlier. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. God is with us. In the ancient world, they viewed God as very, very far away. Some of you view God that way also. God started the universe. God's over in charge of things, but is God part of my life? Some of you don't realize that he is Emmanuel, God with you, with you, near you, in your home, with your family, in your workplace, at your school, everywhere you go, he is with you. And Joseph had to have his mind changed, and so do we. He had to have a new vision. He's Emmanuel. Is he transcendent and glorious over all? Yes. Is he in, imminent and present and Emmanuel? Yes. He, he rules all, but he's also close. He's as close as life and breath. So continue on in the passage. Matthew 1, 24. So this all happens, the angel comes, speaks to him in a dream. So what happens when he wakes up? When Joseph woke up, verse 24, <coughs> verse 24, He did what the angel of the Lord had had commanded. That's important. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. His thinking was break off the engagement. God's plan was continue forward. He did what he was called to do. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. The name that is above every name. The name that every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That was the name he gave him. I don't know if Mary and Joseph during their engagement had done what some couples do and say, Someday if we have a family, someday if we have a son or a daughter, what would we name them? But he gave the name he was called to give him. His name will be Jesus. That name means God is salvation. In the ancient Hebrew, it was Hoshua and then Joshua, and now Jesus. But it means God is salvation. He is the Savior. That's the name of this child. Why? Well, we're going to find out, right? When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. A whole new way of thinking. And Joseph was in. Before the dream, he was planning the divorce proceedings for the betrothal. After the dream, he took her home, married her, didn't have intimacy with her, had the child, and called the child Jesus. He's changed. When Sherry said to me, while we were engaged, I'm not going to marry a man who's not going to live within God's will. She was absolutely right. We studied the scriptures, my thinking changed, and our life has never been the same. It's wonderful and glorious. When you live without being consumed by consuming and possessed by things, but with open hands. When Cohen went through the, the Tommy's Express and realized that he wasn't going to get water poured on him and scrubbed up with big things, and it was fun, and it was a great time, he, his mind changed, but so then he said, let's do it again. Because his, his mind changed, transformed his life. And every time I come out, he knows we're going to go to Tommy's car wash and go through together, and we're going to wash somebody's car. Uh, Something in the family, not a stranger's car, but we're gonna, not just going to take cars and wash them. But uh, don't, don't ask me if I can wash your car either, because the answer is no. Um, but, but things are transformed. So, Joseph, back to the passage. So, when Joseph wakes up from the dream, watch what he does. Here's what he does he obeys the heavenly message immediately. I mean, he goes to bed, he's got a certain way he's thinking. I'm going to end this engagement. He has the dream, the vision. He hears God's truth. He has his prophetic word given. He wakes up. He obeys the heavenly message. He takes Mary home. He takes her as his wife. He refrains from intimacy. And then he gives Jesus the name Jesus. He gives this child the name Jesus. His whole thinking has changed. And now his behavior, his life changes. I want to challenge each person here. Each person who's online right now. I'm going to give you five challenges out of this passage. And invite you to let God speak to you. That maybe one of these five. Maybe more than one. But sometimes we'll leave with, I'm going to do all five. Just pick one. Let God speak to your heart. And let one of these transformations happen in your life. So we're going to talk about thinking in new ways. And how this leads to the vintage Christmas that God wants for you. Here's number one. If you're a note taker, you can write these down. If you've got a good memory, write them in your mind. Thinking in new ways. Number one. From fear to bold confidence. When you shift your thinking from fear to bold confidence, you're going to have the kind of Christmas God wants. Because for Joseph, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, he was afraid. What will the neighbors think? What will everybody think about me and Mary and our families? But after he heard from the Lord, he didn't care what everybody would think. You know why? He was consumed with this question. What will God think? What will honor my God? You see, you want you know the change that has to happen in your mind? From what everybody else is going to think to about what God will think. That will transform how middle school and high school kids think about going to school. What will all my friends think? No, what will God think? That will change how you function in the business place, in the marketplace, in social settings. If you're driven by the, the idea, the fear of what everyone's gonna think about you, and some people, their lives are driven by this, then understand that Emmanuel is God with you. He comes in you, and you don't have to live in fear. You can live in confidence in saying, what does God think? What does God want? And that will change your life. That will give you the kind of Christmas that God wants you to have. Number two, thinking in new ways. From human systems to divine surprises. From human systems to divine surprises. Are you a raw, rationalist, empiricist? I need to feel it, touch it, experience it. And if I can't do that, I can't believe it. Then you're going to have a hard time following Jesus. You're going to have a hard time understanding the power of the spirit of God unleashed in your life. But, but, for, but for Joseph... He was operating on what he saw with his eyes and heard with his ears and experienced in the world. And then God comes to him in this dream with an angel and says to him, This child is of the Holy Spirit. That just had never happened before. It's a spiritual understanding. God's word and the work of God's spirit always trumps our intellect. See, you and I have been raised in a world and we breathe the air of this world. We've lived in the culture of this world. And oftentimes our thinking is wrong or limited. And God calls us to a whole new way of thinking that that supersedes and covers all of that. Number three, thinking in new ways. From religious traditions to divine grace. That will lead to a vintage Christmas. From religious traditions to divine grace. I don't know if you grew up in a church setting. I grew up, I grew up in a, I, I say, a relatively healthy pagan home. Um, my parents loved each other. I did their 50th renewal of their vows. But there was no faith in our home growing up. My dad didn't, didn't become a believer until a month before he died. So I, 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 had, you know, I, I had no faith. I had no um, kind of religious traditions, but if you, if, you've grown, if you grew up in the Christian Reformed Church, in the Reformed Church, in the Catholic Church, in the Lutheran Church, if you grew up in many different churches, you grew up learning that there were certain traditions that would almost trump and over, you know, be over what God's Word says. You know, I I remember one time somebody trying to explain to me when I moved from California to Michigan, explained, well, in our home, when we were growing up, we couldn't go to the beach on Sundays because, you know, it was, it was, you couldn't go to the beach on Sundays because it was Sabbath and, you know, it was the Lord's day and we couldn't go to the beach. Somebody else was a little more liberal. Well, we could go to the beach on Sundays, but we could only go to the water up to our ankles. It's like torture, isn't it? Other people, well, we could go to our knees. Well, we, we we could, we could, we could briskly walk, but we couldn't run. It's like, What? but but rules and regulations and don't do this and don't do this and then you're a good Christian. Do this and do that and then you're a good Christian. But when Jesus came in, when Emmanuel came, God with us, when Jesus hung on the cross and took our sins and paid our price and bore our shame, he offers it to us, forgiveness and new life by grace. The Apostle Paul says, by grace and grace alone so that no one can boast. We're saved for good works, but we're not saved by good works. And if you're still, if your thinking is still the sense of, okay, God will one day love me and one day offer his grace to me. If I live good enough, if I stop doing this, start doing that. No, you follow Jesus. It's, it's, it's like the line from, from the old hymn, nothing in my hands. I bring simply to the cross. I cling. It is grace and grace alone. And Jesus came among us to give his life on the cross We will not stand before God and say, God, I can come into your heaven and be with you because of the grace of Jesus and these seven things I did. No. Grace and grace alone. Do you you understand? And when you understand that, you stop trying to do all this stuff to please God. You understand that he's offered the grace of Jesus. And then when you know that you receive that grace, you're lavished by that grace. And then you know what happens? We live the lives we should because of his grace, not to get his grace. It's a whole new way of thinking. It will change your life. Number four, thinking in new ways. From God is out there to Jesus is right here. In the ancient world and for many of you today, people will often think of God as far and removed and distant. But he is Emmanuel, God with us. And when you walk with Jesus, he walks with you. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere you go, all the time, you are never alone. He's always with you. That's good news. But it's a change in thinking. And for Joseph, he looked at God as sort of this God who was out there, and he finds out that his name is Emmanuel. You want to talk about God with us? Joseph and Mary got to raise the Messiah, change the diapers of the Messiah, teach the Messiah how to eat and how to walk. Man, you want a picture of God with you, right? God's not with us in that way, but Jesus, the Messiah comes and dwells in each of us by his Holy spirit. When you receive Jesus, God moves in you by his spirit and he never leaves. That's a whole new way of thinking. And it leads to a whole new way of living. And one more thinking in new ways from I'll get to it later to I will follow right now. You want to have a vintage Christmas follow Jesus when he calls you to. Follow where he calls you to go, when he calls you. Here's Joseph. He has a whole mindset. He has a whole view of the Messiah, a whole view of marriage, a whole view of having children. He goes to bed that night. God brings truth in this prophetic word through an angel, through a dream. And he wakes up, and he's totally changed. He didn't say, okay, in a month or two, I'll circle back around. He changed the way he was living. How about you? Are there areas in your life where God has been calling you, you've opened the word you've heard a sermon you've read a devotional that's based on scripture and the Holy Spirit has said okay new way of thinking you're not that person anymore you don't live that way anymore and you say okay God I'll get back to you in about a month on that one I'll circle back to you God I'll get back to you Lord no you respond when God calls when God leads and when you do you experience what Christmas is really about I want to give you a general encouragement and kind of challenge and a very specific one. I'll start with the specific. And this, as I was praying, as I was preparing this message, and, and this is a message I've never preached before. Ryan gave me the text and Ryan gave me the series and said, can you preach in the series? And, and I said, I'd love to. And as I was preparing this message for this church, something hit me. I get a chance, my wife and I have started an organization where we resource churches all over the globe. We do work in Sri Lanka and and we do work in Africa and we do work in New Zealand and all all around the United States and Canada. So I get to be in churches around the world. And I will tell you something. God is doing a unique work at Peace Church. God is moving in a very unique way. And what God wants to do through Peace Church is greater than what's happening now. I know that for a fact. I just just know that God wants to use this church to do some amazing things in the greater Grand Rapids area and beyond So here's my encouragement. If you are at the place where I was when I was engaged to this woman right here, where when it comes to generosity and giving, you're trying to fool yourself and God by saying, oh, Lord, you have my whole heart, but you actually don't give anything to the Lord. If you're not giving consistently, and again, we're not saved by our works, but I'm challenging you to a new way of thinking. If it's all the Lord's, then give him your best. And keep everything else in open hands and watch what he does in and through you. I want to challenge you if you're part of this church, if you call this your church home and you're getting to the end of the year and you have not been generous to Peace Church, here's my challenge. And Ryan did not tell me to say this and he's not paying me to say this. I'm telling you what's in my heart as I prepared this sermon. Give your best gift to the work of this ministry before the year's done. I want to give you that challenge and watch what God does. Watch what God does through that. That's my specific challenge. Let me give you a general challenge. Look at your thinking. Here's Joseph. He had a whole worldview and God just went and blew it to pieces and said, here's a new way to see the world. And his whole life was changed. What is God speaking to you through his word? Where's the changes, the changes he's calling you to make in your thinking. You're still thinking like the world thinks. You're still thinking like culture thinks. You're still thinking like your family thinks. You're still thinking religious instead of biblical. And God is calling you to change your thinking so he can change your life. Jesus, this is our prayer today.